0: Let the Become Your Vision podcast be the inspiration you need to step into greater things. Now let's go. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. You read that title right. We have a juicy episode for you today. We talk about being rejected, we talk about anxiety and depression, we talk about habits, we talk about how you can support yourself so that. You don't wake up on January 1st feeling like just the last few months have brought you down and you have so much work to do in 2024. You don't need to feel like that. You can start making little changes right now that will support your future self. So let me get into a little bit about who Caitlin is and her whole story. So let me just give you a little bio. So she is, Caitlin Spears is a certified health and nutrition coach. She helps people along their fitness journey. She is the founder of Complete by Caitlin. At 18, she experienced a painful rejection from the hit show, America's Next Top Model, which affected her relationship with her body and food. She went on to have a successful modeling career and became a certified health and nutrition coach. Caitlin's mission is to empower individuals to feel strong, healthy, confident, and help them focus on both physical well-being and profound self-realization. Like I said, you're going to get so much out of this episode. I want to note that I do have this lingering cough that I've had for three weeks now. I don't have any other symptoms, but it's super annoying. You could tell I'm nasally And I'm coughing at some parts in the interview. I'm not going to edit them out because that's real life. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today I have Caitlin Spears. You heard her bio. We're going to just like get, ooh, I keep dropping my pen here. We're going to get right into it. So. Just looking at you, the viewers can't see you, but you look like America's Next Top Model in blonde and the blue eyes and the perfect skin. Let's get into how you started your journey to even like apply to America's Next Top Model.
1: So I actually did not apply. Oh, I- Okay out to by what I was actually my mom my mom was reached out to by one of the casting directors for America's Next Top Model because my senior year of high school I did a pageant the Miss Universe pageant for a college scholarship I had never done a pageant like in my adult life I was like they were just offering a full ride scholarship and I was like you know what let's give it a shot So, obviously, I did the pageant, did not win, Um, but when you do a pageant like that, you're put up on, like, a registry online, and, like, your information is then accessible to people, and that is how one of the casting directors came about my, like, profile and was able to, like, reach out to me because my information was online, so they actually scouted me from my pageant registration information.
0: Oh my gosh. So have you, did you prior, I know you said you didn't do a pageant. Did you ever do modeling before?
1: No, I was actually scouted for modeling at the pageant as well. So I ended up signing a contract with a mother agency in Oklahoma who I was signed with for like five years um, at that same pageant.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. So what did that feel like? You were like being scouted. Were you shocked? Were you told your whole life, like you could be a model or was this all new?
1: You know, I think it was both. I've always been relatively tall. I played basketball and stuff growing up, grew up, but I grew up in such a small town, um, like 2,500 people. I grew up on a cow farm, like middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. So, people had always of course told me that I was like very pretty or that I could model but coming from such a small town you just don't feel like that's actually something that is going to like come into your wheelhouse um I grew up watching America's Next Top Model loved Tyra Banks was obsessed Mm -hmm. with it but you know I already had planned to go to college and like all these things I just didn't think that I was going to be a a model full-time so when it happened it kind of like got me so excited. I was just like, oh, my whole world is about to change. My whole life is about to change. I'm just, you know, I'm winning. I I didn't even think I was gonna get to do this and now everything's coming true. And then literally within, you know, the three month casting process, they ended up cutting me and letting me know a week before filming that I needed to work on my body and then try again next season. And (laughs) that was extremely hard to hear and to like process. So, you know, especially because they had reached out to me. um, Yeah. So that was kind of the whole like experience of like getting excited and then like literally getting caught right before filming.
0: Okay. That's devastating. So let's rewind. Uh, Okay. So you were approached. They said, let's, let's have you try out or cast you for America's Top Model. So you thought you were going on the show. I mean,
1: yes, I literally did a three month casting process of like zooms with every single producer, every single director. I mean, they make you literally do months of like having your friends and family sign NDAs, having you do all of this stuff. Like, I mean, this was not a simple process. I had to get a special passport that I had to apply for like so many hoops. And I was just like, oh, I'm going like, obviously, you're like telling
0: everybody (laughs) <laughs>
1: well, I couldn't tell everybody because everybody oh, that had to sign an NDA, but the, like I lived, it, I was in college. It was my first semester of college. So my roommates all had to sign NDAs. So they all knew because they, they lived in the same, like, you know, apartment as me. Like they had to be aware of what was going on because it was literally months of a process that wasn't just like I could hide it from them. So Ooh. yeah,
0: it was crazy. That is crazy. Okay. So When they said you have to work on your body, what did that entail? And like, how did you process that? What did those words mean to you?
1: At the time, it meant everything to me. It meant you're not good enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not tall enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not all those things that, you know, are insecurities when we're insecure about who we are, they came out in me, all the emotions, sadness, depression, anxiety, fear, it all came out all at once. And I didn't know how to process it. I was embarrassed, because these people in my circle knew, I thought I was going. So I'm like, Oh, my God, this is going to be so cool. And then now I have to tell them all that, like, hey, I got cut. And at 18 years old, that's so embarrassing. Mm -hmm. To me, I felt like, a sh- like a sham like I was a fraud mm. and so it took me years to move past that to stop giving so much validity to what one person said in one email in one sentence to me but that held a lot in my life for a long time so it was it was extremely hard it was everything all at once and it's really hard to explain
0: yeah I can imagine. Like I think we can all relate. The listeners can relate when you're ever rejected, whether it's from like your crush or trying out for a sport or that job that you know you've been just like desperately dreaming about and focusing on like rejection. It hurts no matter what type of rejection it is, especially at such an early age. Uh so what did How did your path change? Did you continue to try to pursue modeling or did you just like completely look into a different direction?
1: I did this thing of being super wishy-washy with my entire life. I went back to college, left college, would go model for, you know, 6 months, would go back to college because I didn't know where I wanted to be or where I fit in, and I was in such a bad place with my own personal mental health, physical health that, you know, I would lose a ton of weight and then I would gain it all back and then I would go to college and, you know, be drinking all the time and hanging out with the wrong people and then I would leave college and I would go back to modeling and it was Honestly, this really, really unhealthy, vicious cycle of recycling the same bad habits over and over and over again until finally I got so tired of it that I was like at my wits end. I was at the bottom. I was at the lowest point I had ever been in my entire life. I was in a place I didn't want to be, surrounded by people I didn't want to be around, doing something that did not light me up. And I was miserable. I was so, so miserable. And I was like, I have two choices here. I either do this for the rest of my life. I complain. I don't show up for myself. I allow someone else's opinion to dictate my life or, you know, I, I get up, I stand up on my own two feet and I figure out who I am, what I want and what I can bring to this world. And so, you know, on that day, I made that decision. And from that day forward, I took baby steps. I left college. I left those people that I was around and I started searching for myself. I started trying to figure out who I was without all the noise. And I think that was what really started to line me up to go back into my successful modeling career that I I did end up having.
0: Mm. Okay. So in one of your posts, uh, you mentioned anxiety, depression. I think it's pretty safe to say that we have all, our majority, know, five percent of us have experienced some degree of sadness, depression, anxiety. Was this the time uh, when you were talking about at your lowest point, something you were experiencing and how did you get out of that?
1: Absolutely. I don't think that you just experience depression and anxiety at one point in your life. I think you can experience it at so many points. I mean Hardly. I was speaking someone about last week, having like this overwhelming feeling of like depression and anxiety. And like, I I'm so happy with where I'm at in my life, but it doesn't mean it can't still creep in, especially as we head into like seasonal depression and the winter months and, you know, life is hard. So, you know, that I think was the first real taste I got of like deep depression and deep anxiety. Like I remember a couple of times only a few times in my entire life have I had real anxiety attacks, like those panic attacks that you feel like your chest is going to literally explode and you have no way of stopping it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was like the deepest point I've ever been of where it lingered. It was chronic depression. It was chronic anxiety. It just kept going on and it felt like there was no end. And for me, it was when I finally did the internal work and I started figuring out what I needed and what I wanted. And for me, that was showing up for myself. That was changing the way I looked at the world. That was moving my body. Um, Movement has always been very therapeutic for me and that really helped me through those dark times was figuring out how to intuitively move my body. It was, you know, not drinking. If I'm being honest, like alcohol is a depressant when you're depressed and you're drinking, it's not a great combination. It's just, you can't do it all at once. Like Mm. don't expect to like just cold turkey, every bad habit that you have. It's just slowly starting to wean off of the things that are no longer serving you.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to that. I, experienced, you know, major anxiety, depression around that time, you know, when I was 18, 19, early 20s. Was it, you said it was almost like an awakening that you had, like, one day you decided, like, I can choose what I want to do, I can continue on this path, or I can show up as somebody else, a higher version of me, essentially. Was it a book you read? Was it a quote you heard? Was it a, a a talk that you had with somebody? What do you think it was about that one day where you're like, okay, I need to change?
1: you know, I, I, I can still go back to the literal moment that had happened. I remember I have a Mini Cooper at the time and I had like sat in my car and had like the biggest emotional breakdown of my life. Just like, yeah. you know, when you just can't control it anymore. And it's just like, you're crying for hours and hours and hours. And you're just like, you have these thoughts. And like, for me, I had never had like dark thoughts like that. And I was like, I got to a point where I'm like, okay this is not okay this is not normal i cannot be sitting in my car crying for you know for hours and hours and hours feeling like i have no way out like if no one else around me will help me i have to help myself and it was just one of those moments where i spent literally hours in the car by myself listening to music just thinking to myself how can i feel better how mm-hmm. can i get out of this because this is not okay. Like being like this, I cannot be like this for any longer. I can't do it physically, mentally, emotionally. I was drained on every single level.
0: Mm, Yeah. That, I mean, I think that's totally relatable and it's, it's up to you, the person, you know, the listener, you have to be the, nobody else is coming to save you, which is, you know, it can kind of sound like daunting, or, you know, like you're alone, but you're not. There's always ways to get out and people to help you, but you have to make that choice. So I think that is really relatable. Hey guys, I used to be one of those people that around the holidays, I would just completely let myself go. It's that time of year where there's tons of cookies and cakes and gatherings and, You are in layers and it's cold outside and you just comfort yourself with food. Is that you? I've been there, I promise. And the New Year comes and you are just stuck feeling like, I don't know, like a snowman, a blob. You don't feel good and you feel like you have all this work to do. My recommendation is to up level one meal a day. That's all I'm asking. One meal a day. What can you improve? I've created a high-fiber, high-protein cereal to help you do that. For the woman who struggles with what to eat, you want it to taste good. And this time of year, muesli cereal is so good, warm. You can even add your favorite chocolate chips, maybe some peppermint chocolate chips and make it a little festive. Go to mymuesli.com, that's my-m-o-o-s-e-l-y.com. Shipping is free over 34.99. I'm here to help you. Um, you are a nutritional coach now. What led you to this path?
1: I think that entire experience, I think my whole journey through modeling, you know, dealing with body image, dealing with eating disorders, dealing with mental and emotional stresses, dealing with anxiety, dealing with depression and, you know, I went through years and years and years of dealing with this and, and you know, teaching myself how to move past it in a healthy way, how to build healthy habits and sustainable habits for the life that I knew I wanted that I now live. And a few years ago, it came to me that I wanted something more. I wanted something that challenged me. And I wanted to be able to share my experiences and help other people because I knew if I had been through you know, a decade of trials and tribulations and challenges and obstacles and all these things that I had gone through, there was absolutely people out there that were going through the same thing and feeling so hopeless and so helpless. And I knew I could help them and I didn't know how I could do it at first, but I think When you start putting the right energy out there and you start doing something that means so much to you that you're so passionate about and it feels like it's your purpose in life, the world, the universe, whatever you believe, it really does start opening up doors for you and start directing you towards the path that you need to take because there's something inside of you that's like lighting this fire and you have to go share it with the world. And that was me two years ago. I just had this burning urge to do something else, do something new, challenge myself
0: and give back. Mm, So good. What were, I guess, the beliefs or habits that maybe at the time you thought were healthy, but now looking back, you're like, oh my gosh, that was not healthy at all. Um, That maybe you were taught or picked up on going through your modeling journey.
1: Um, I remember at one point I had a trainer and their diet they gave me was just absolutely nuts to follow and their workout regimen. I mean, they would have me working out six days a week. And when I say six days a week, I'm talking like 60 minutes on a Stairmaster, 700 lunges. Like, this is not a joke. This is a real thing I was like given to do by trainers who trained some of the Victoria's Secret models. Oh Um, my
0: gosh.
1: So just like, the belief that you need to do hours of cardio, the belief that you need to do six days a week at the gym for, you know, 60 to 90 minutes, the belief that you need to only eat egg whites and lean protein and, you know, sugar-free syrups and like to get you through like That was what I believed for so long because that's all I knew. I wasn't educated enough around proper nutrition, proper sleep, proper movement habits. Like I'm in the best shape of my life and I'll go sometimes I'll go an entire week without actually working out because I just live a really active lifestyle. I think people believe they have to go to a gym to work out. And you absolutely don't have to go to a gym to work out. If you're walking your dog, you're you're working out. If you're riding your bike, you're working out. If you're swimming in the pool, you're working out. If you're going on a hike with friends, you're working out. There are so many ways to be active. I think society has just conditioned us to think like, oh, workout means gym. And that just isn't true. And also dieting doesn't mean healthy. Dieting Mm -hmm. actually means the opposite. But It gets a weird rep because in general, when we talk about the food we eat, we talk about our diet, but diet culture has created this beast of restrictive, hard to follow, dangerous diets, which Mm. is very different than just eating a healthy diet. So I think it's the society we live in has just cultivated an unrealistic way of looking at fitness and food.
0: Totally. I agree with you a hundred percent. I'm I'm a group fitness instructor and just like my personal like fitness journey has like changed and what I did before has completely changed and will continue to evolve because when you learn, when you know better, you do better. Um I think to besides you know, societal pressures, I think people are just like misinformed about proper nutrition. And we've forgotten as a whole how to trust ourselves to make the right choices. But we see people on social media eating a certain way. So then we feel like we can eat a certain way. But then, you know, we don't get the same results as that person because genetics, lifestyle, um, sleep hygiene, you name it, um, can affect everybody differently. So you went from getting this like exercise plan. Uh, I don't know if they give you a nutrition plan as well, but how did you start to like change that? Did you educate yourself? Is it when you started wanting to become a nutritional coach that you changed up and I'm going to use diet because diet is just, um, you know, a word for how we eat. Um, but we often see it as restriction. Um, so what, how, how did you educate yourself on, proper nutrition, and how did your habits around that change?
1: So when I was on this very strict diet plan and workout routine, I was in, I got in amazing shape. Like I got in super great shape. You know, I was, I was, I wasn't drinking at all. I was very fit, but it was so restrictive that there was no possible way I could do that forever. And so within, you know, a year, I completely had fallen off, I would gained back all the weight, I was not like you almost, when you restrict yourself so much, you almost you fall back even further than you were before, because you you just forget, you forget that you you need to like put in certain steps to get there. So for me, when I fell back all the way, I thought, okay, there has to be another way to do this that isn't as restrictive that I can like make last because my entire life had been very wishy-washy between going to college, going to modeling, having a good diet, eating a bad diet. I'd always been one or the other. There was never balance, not in most of my adult life had I had balance. Mm. And so for me, it was... How do I find what the balance is for me? Because clearly what's working for this person and her clients isn't working for me because I cannot maintain that. Mm-hmm. So I did I started I started reading, I started educating myself. I started, do you remember, did you ever follow uh, Kayla's fitness when she first did the like BBG program or whatever?
0: Is that um Australia the Australian? Yes. yes. Yes, I did.
1: So she like I remember she was one of the first fitness influencers and she I don't I don't know if you ever got it, but she created the first like PDF work- workout booklet. And it was like this thick. You had to no go away. It. it was like literally a few hundred pages like and it the had, yellow pages. <laughs> literally, I had to like print it and was, like a Excuse whole me. punch it in a binder and everything. Like people today would be like, what the heck? You just use an app. But we didn't have apps. We didn't have all of that. And so I put it in a binder and it had this like cute it had her story. It had like nutritional information. It had workout routines that were like fun and challenging and engaging. And you didn't have to go to a gym in order to like do them. You could do them at home. You could do them wherever you were and to me that started to change how I thought about health, how I thought about fitness, how I thought about the foods that I ate and the way I moved my body, I started to realize like it didn't have to be the same as everybody else. It could be unique to me. I could take pieces of someone's workout routine and someone's nutrition diet and I could put them together and I could create my own unique way of going about health. One that fit in my life, because I think what a lot of people get confused on or the reason people fail is because they're implementing something that isn't made for their life. It's not made for their lifestyle. It's not made for their schedule. And so they're taking bits and pieces of someone else's, but it's not integrating into their life. Mm -hmm. And so I think integration is like the biggest piece that people miss is they try to take someone else's and make it their own. When in reality, you just need to integrate into your own life, things that you love and things that you'll enjoy doing.
0: I love that. With your clients, how do you help them find the path that is right for them and integrate, you know, their lifestyle into, you know, proper nutrition and exercise?
1: I work hand in hand with them. I'm not coming in to be someone's like end all be all voice of reason. I'm coming in to walk side by side with you to help guide you towards a healthier lifestyle together. We work to create, you know, what activities do you enjoy? What do you hate doing? Because if you hate doing something, I'm not gonna make you do something you hate.
0: Mm. What
1: kind of food do you like? What what's your genetics? Like what did your parents grow up eating? Where are you, where's your background? Where are you from? Cause that can also influence the foods you like, don't like, foods that might be better for you versus worse for you, because your genetics play a massive role in the food that you eat how it breaks down. So it's really just working side by side and getting to know your clients because I don't know you when you first when you first meet me. So it, it's getting deep with them, understanding who they are at their root, what they like doing, what they hate doing, the foods they like, like I just said, what their confidence is, if they're confident, if they're not confident, what their mindset is. It's It's basically just getting to know each other and then helping guide them in the direction that works best for them.
0: It is definitely a mindset, right? Like there, it. I feel like going back to like my personal, you know, fitness journey, it was like a mindset, right? You want this simple playbook of, and I'll just share an example and she may be listening, but I don't think she'd mind me sharing this example. But this woman today, she's had three kids, you know, she's had C-sections and she comes up to me and she's like, holding her belly. And she's like, well, I ever get rid of this like loose skin. And I'm like, it's not, I'm like, you've had babies, you know, and we can be really hard on ourselves. And, uh, you know, so we started talking about, she's like, well, what do you eat? You know? And I had to be like, well, you know, nutrition is different for everybody, but like getting down to the basics. And I think everybody could benefit from eating more protein and more fiber, like just a simple, like just adding a little bit more protein into your diet, a little bit more fiber. I think we've come into this like idea that fitness and health has to be about restriction, but really should be about adding, like, what can you add into your life? that is doable and sustainable. You mentioned, you know, how you couldn't maintain that lifestyle. It really has to be sustainable. And for some reason we make it so hard. And actually I know the reason it's because of, you know, marketing and food companies, they want to make it challenging in order for you to buy in, in order for you to opt in to the messaging that they are speaking. What are some of your, uh, I guess, daily rituals. Do you start your day a certain way, whether it's listening to podcasts or drinking your water, just like the healthy things that you've incorporated to your, into your daily routine that maybe the listener can apply to their life?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a couple of things. One that really helped me with time management in the morning is laying out my clothes the night before. Mm. I know it's so small, but in the morning, when I have less choice and I don't have to think about it, it makes it so much easier to just get up and put the clothes on and it becomes such an easy habit to get you to that next step. For me, I always try to get sunlight on my face if there's sun in the morning because it really helps to wake me up. It helps to get your circadian rhythm you know, up and going. And then I also, I started journaling about a year ago and now it's something that if I don't do it, Every day, I feel a little bit anxious. I feel like I didn't get out what I needed to get out. And it's weird to think about, but putting pen to paper really does help so much sometimes. And then for me, it's movement. On the days that I don't move my body in the morning, I feel it. I feel a little more anxious. I feel a little more tired. Um, I'm just not as productive. I, I feel it because it's something that I've created such a routine around and such a structure around And I rely on those endorphins that I get when I work out. And then at nighttime, it's kind of similar. It's like, instead of waking my body up, I really try to put my body to sleep. So it's, you know, dimming the lights or taking a warm shower or bath, reading a book or watching a movie that makes me feel good, along with always journaling at the end of the day, because gratitude is just such a practice that I think everybody should incorporate, so it's just little habits, but those little habits, they build into huge, huge lasting results when you consistently do them.
0: I love habits. I love routines. I think I love journaling, but I think the listener knows if I they've been listening for a while that I, I come and go with the journaling. But my recent thing is just like reading five pages every single morning. That's been helping. And when I could fit in journaling, that's amazing. Um, what are some like specific things that you journal about? Or do you have like a prompt?
1: I do. I use a prompted journal because again, like I said, with laying out my clothes, I like to have it easy. If it's something that I found, so I used to find journaling very hard to do for me because sometimes my brain just cannot like unpromptedly think of things that I want to write down. So I totally suggest for anyone who's like me, get a prompted journal, something that has, you know, different scripts for different months or different ideas for the morning and the evening. But basically it's, you know, how do you want your day to go? You're setting the intention you're setting your gratitude. And it's really just focusing in on allowing you to exert some of the energy that's inside of you and get it out so you can start your day right and you can end your day right. Or at least that's how I use the practice.
0: Oh, I like that. And I think coming from a place of gratitude, Uh, is such a good place to start because I think we can focus in, uh, you know, all and take a magnifying glass to all the things that we aren't or all the things we don't have or, you know, just have a telescope of where we want to go that we forget about the present moment and how freaking grateful, you know, and, you know, our lives are. And uh, I love that. Um, Where can everybody like find you and just like see your journey, maybe your website, social media, where can they get more of you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. My website is just caitlinspears.com. And I'm Caitlin Shea Spears on all social media platforms. I do have a free guide to unlocking your mindset, motivation and money blocks on the way to your health journey. I think it's a really, really awesome free guide that first step to like getting you over those like initial hurdles, our mindset can hold us back, our lack of motivation can always hold us back. And money blocks are something that I find that even if you have money, you still hold those, hold those blocks. And so sometimes moving past them is really, really helpful, not only in your health journey, but in life.
0: Oh, I'm all about the money blocks this whole year, I've committed to reading one financial book. A year. And I think that's a huge part to total mindset and just how you show up into the world and all of that and coming from a place of abundance and not lack. And maybe you were taught that when you were younger, but I think that is a great, um, I guess, uh, area to dive into a little bit more. What can you give the listener around the holidays, like little tips that they can feel their best Maybe like one or two tips they could feel their best around the holidays. This is a time where, you know, Thanksgiving is in a couple of days, Christmas, New Year's, where people just like go balls to the wall and just like let themselves go and just come back January 1st. Where or what can they do to feel their best?
1: I think make sure that you're so prioritizing yourself. We all love to enjoy a holiday meal with our family, and we absolutely should. You should never feel guilty for an experience, a holiday dinner, something that brings you connection and closeness to the people around you. But that doesn't mean you have to completely fall off because- If we incorporate small habits into our holiday traditions, we're gonna feel so much better and we're gonna be so far ahead of the curve when it comes January 1. Little things like maybe you don't wanna go to the gym for two weeks during Christmas, that's okay. Maybe you ask your parents, if you're staying at your family's house, your mom, your grandma, your cousins, your your aunts, your uncles to go on a family walk or after you guys have a big meal or maybe you're incorporating Good sleep during your prioritizing rest during this time because it is a season of seasonal depression and it gets dark at 5 30, and we're all exhausted and we're all recovering. So prioritize slowing down, prioritize sleep and stress management, whether that's picking up a book you've been wanting to read all year dedicating you know 10 pages a day to reading that book during the holidays prioritize your mental health your emotional health your physical health and your spiritual health it all goes hand in hand don't overdo it slow down give your body what it needs but you don't have to completely fall off I think Mm -hmm. that's such a common misconception I think most of the time people that extremely fall off are the people that didn't have healthy habits in place before the holidays because anyone who had healthy habits instilled in them before the holidays is going to feel extremely off after about a week of not doing those things that have become habit so you can say oh you know the holidays are what made me fall off but really it was your lack of prioritizing creating healthy habits before the holidays is why you fell off.
0: Totally. We, and you know, not to talk about the uh, COVID, but I think that's, you know, a lot of people gain weight during COVID is because the habits weren't there. So okay. yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. You, you know, for tuning in and thank you Caitlin for just showing up and just like, sharing your story. I know some of that probably was, you know, difficult for you, but I think you can help a lot of women and you are helping a lot of women. And uh, I just appreciate you.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Of course, you guys, please, if you love this episode, follow Caitlin, share it on your social media, just spread the love. That's how the show gets out there. And remember you got this.